Hoodie Hoot Productions presents the Sports Deli Podcast, where everyone deserves a seat at the table, where we discuss the intersection between race and sports, mental health, leadership, and equality. To find out more about the Sports Deli Podcast, check us out online at thesportsdelipodcast.com. We are starting to have free giveaways. If you hear giveaway anywhere in the podcast, Send us an email to thesportsdeli at gmail.com with giveaway in the subject heading and in the body of the email, give us the answer to that podcast's specific question. (laughs) Stephen A. Smith is my alter ego. Go somewhere else with that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> John, she's roasting your ass right from the jump. We ain't done the intro yet. <laughs> what the fuck? To me, Colin Kaepernick is is a hero. And Colin Kaepernick is going to go down as a legend. And when George Floyd called out to his mother, he called out to all mothers. And I heard his call. And I- so do you have white privilege? Absolutely. I think there's a, there's a balance between the idea of universal white privilege it doesn't exist. Now we have to be a voice as white people. African-American women last year changed the course of this of this nation. Um, women are the backbone, and now we need to support the souls that they stand on. And now whether you're folding laundry, driving, exercising, or cooking, grab your favorite deli sandwich or bagel and your favorite beverage, and let's do this together in the sports deli. Auntie, take us away. <laughs> We're so excited to be joined during National Suicide Prevention Month by Omaha, Nebraska native Rex Walters. He played his high school ball in San Jose, California at Piedmont High School and then went on to play his college ball first at Northwestern in the Big Ten and then later at Kansas for Hall of Fame coach Roy Williams, where he was a two-time All-Big Eight selection. He was born the same year as George Lynch, former Tar Heel, who was also on our show during season two. He was in the movie Blue Chips. He shares a birthday with Daryl Strawberry, Rod Smith, and Mitt Romney. He was drafted number 16 overall in the 93 NBA draft by the New Jersey Nets, and he played until 2003. Then began his coaching career, and he has coached for more than 20 years at the collegiate and NBA levels. He played with Kenny Anderson, who was also on our show, Kenny's great friend, Detroit native, Derek Coleman, bad boy Rick Mahorn, and many other incredible collegiate and NBA players. The late Hall of Fame coach Chuck Daly was one of his coaches in the NBA. Most recently, he coached with the New Orleans Pelicans. His daughter works for the Minnesota Timberwolves as a video associate. Don't underestimate the importance of this job, as this is where Eric Spolstra got his start as a video coordinator for the Miami Heat. You can find him on IG and on Instagram at CoachRex23 and on Twitter at CoachRexWalters. And we've had probably close to 25, maybe almost 30 at this point, NBA and WNBA players, uh, Rex. So truly honored that that you're joining us, sharing safe space with us here on the Sports Deli Podcast where everyone deserves a seat at the table. So welcome, bro. Well, thank you for having me. That was uh, quite an introduction to you. You've done your homework. Well, <laughs> you know, we always talk about a couple of my other co-hosts. One of them worked for Orlando when Muscleman was there and Daly was there and he's busy right now. And the other one, He's a sports fanatic. We always ask ourselves, you know, should we do it in post-production? But the reactions every time is just is just worth the price of admission. So <laughs> we just continue to do it. Uh, so um, the first question I have is, well, first of all, people that come into the sports deli have great karma. So Nikki Collin was was in the 
uh, Sports Deli, and then she got the job at Baylor. And Lindsay Gottlieb, you know, she came on and she got the job at USC. So we're trying to throw out some good karma there for you because, you know, we know that like, we'll talk about this later, but you, Matt, Lav, you know, you, you still, I think, have that itch and still maybe want to get back somewhere. And so we're, we, we, we got good karma here, man. So we're excited to have you and hopefully it, it'll help. I appreciate that. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what the future holds. Yeah. But I appreciate it. Yeah. It, you know, it's interesting. When I first started, we were just talking sports, just talking shit. And uh, it's evolved since the death of George Floyd. And, and uh, I wouldn't call myself an influencer, but I've, I've become somewhat of a connector. I'm on a think tank now with a former NFL head coach. Uh, Hugh Jackson, um, and I've put people in touch with others. You know, Mike Sweetney came on, uh, talked about his story and and uh, how he had overcome depression and suicide. And Shea Hillenbrand, Major League Baseball player, same thing. And so it's just interesting to hear people's stories because I think that people can learn a lot. Uh, you know, from from everyone's uh, chase of their their respective dreams and everyone's. Um, method of getting there was different. Like Jay Billis came on and he talked about how his high school experience was horrible. And maybe you've heard him talk about this and, uh -huh. he, and, and he was scarred. He, he said it was a horrible experience and his wife had to call him on it when they went back for a reunion. And so I think you might've had a better, a little bit better experience. And, and, you know, your dad was very influential. He was the only voice that you listened to back then. So first talk a little bit about, and I know you've talked about this probably a million times, but it's all, it's, I, I love hearing about it because you know, my dad committed suicide when I was nine. And so my coaches were my lifeline. They were uh, <clears throat> the reason that I stayed out of trouble. They saved me, sports saved me, uh, my youth coaches saved me. You know, a lot of, a lot of those types of uh, strong male figures saved me. And so talk about not only the impact of sports, obviously that it had on your life, but the, the impact of strong people that empowered you and supported you when you know you were just like anyone else as a kid trying to figure things out and, and what your passions were I've had some great coaches in my life and, and I'm not talking about the hall of famers like Chuck yeah. Daly and Pat Riley and shoot um, Larry Brown Roy Williams that obviously they had a tremendous impact on me no Roy Williams probably more so because I was still in a formative years when you're in college you're still trying to find out who you are but my yeah. first coach is my father I, my, right. in fourth grade. Uh, my dad coaches me and, you know, you learn a lot of lessons at a very young age. You just, just about competing, playing by the rules, um, how hard you have to play, how a uh, great lesson. We were undefeated. We lose the championship game because the team figured out there was no 10 second rule and you couldn't press. So they decided to not cross half court after they got a lead in the second half. <laughs> and, my and my father was a great example. He wasn't happy about it, but we took it, you know, and that's the way they're going to play. That's the way they're going to play. It's a lot like life. Life isn't always fair. And sometimes yeah. the better team doesn't win, but it's how you react to that situation and that result. Um, so my father had a great, and he was, he's coached me all his life, uh, all my life, I should say. Was he, was he a player? Um, uh, he played. He, he played. Yeah. He was more in track, but he comes from Quincy, Illinois, where basketball is, is very, very wow. important to that city. So well, we really don't want to talk about Illinois right now. I don't think between that, that, that last uh, football game on opening weekend, that, that was that a tough one for you, that Cornhusker loss? <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I've been dealing with so much. We, we were in New Orleans. And, and so oh. we Saturday morning found out 
there's a hurricane coming in. It's going from tropical storm to a hurricane category, possibly four, maybe wow. five. We packed up all of Friday and, and we drove a truck and three cars with five kids, four kids, three dogs. Wow. Uh, and a husband and wife, we drove up to Michigan. So that's why I'm in this Airbnb right now. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, but getting back to the, and then, yeah. you know, Terry Moriyama, uh, I, I'm, I'm half Japanese. I don't look it, but Terry Moriyama is one that really helped me believe in myself. And it wasn't anything he ever said. It wasn't anything more than I just felt like he believed in me. Every practice, every game, uh, the way he coached me the way he made me feel about myself. So I understand what you're saying. A coach can have a tremendous impact on your life and how you look at things. And neither one of them were touchy feely, you know, kumbaya coaches. They were, they were tough, hard, you know, not stubborn, but like driven men. And uh, it it did, it had a tremendous influence on a young age because my father was my coach, I think, fourth or fifth grade. It might have been fifth grade. I'm getting old. I'm 51 now. <laughs> but but Mr. Moriyama was fourth grade all the way up until I graduated high school. Every every spring, every summer, and every fall, I would play in the Asian leagues because I'm wow. half Japanese. And, and so he had a tremendous impact on me and made me feel like I can do special things on the basketball court. And it you know led to a nine-year professional career, seven years in the NBA a final four, you know, two-time all big eight, 16th pick in the NBA drafts. And, and I think that those two men, you know, at a young age had a tremendous impact on me and made me believe in myself. Uh, I think a lot of hard work goes into it. Well, believing in yourself is not enough. You know, I think it's a lot of hard work and, but they, they helped me with that because they did make me believe in myself. Well, usually I don't talk about that until later, but I, I want to go with that because it's it never ceases to amaze me because, you know, obviously we're, we want to talk about the bubble and, and George Floyd and, and, you know, what I find interesting is when I see evolution from a coach and Matt has come on this show, Doherty, your good friend, like a brother mm-hmm. to you, and he said that he has had a 180 when it comes to kneeling and George Floyd and what what it meant to Neil and systemic racism and he he said he wasn't he just didn't understand it and he made mistakes as a as a coach at Carolina Uh, and so I'm just curious we'll fast forward and then rewind again because along the same things that you were just talking about because I think it's important to to have people see your evolution and so the reason I ask that question is because i personally didn't know that you were that you were half Japanese so that's interesting to me because now no matter what you've been through your whole life you have a different level of sensitivity you know so on this show we talk about obviously Black Lives Matter bet on women stop Asian hate uh, there's a lot of things that we talk about um, and it's it's important to us that we send that message and so I'm white so I'm sharing it with mostly white people that will probably listen you know and maybe Japanese people listen to you and when people of color come on the show even if it's the same message, a lot of people will only listen to them. So there has to be this united front. So the first question I want to ask is, uh, <clears throat> from those experiences, not only just your upbringing and being in the space of, of being uh, half, I guess, half white and half Japanese, um, what, what did that teach you about empathy? Like, I, yeah. I care about your story and how you're impacting 
intersections of race and sports and mental health and leadership and how you're being a better version of yourself today because you got sports deli is sponsored by sport rx the leader in sport prescription eyewear you can find them online at sportrx.com and don't forget to enter the code deli 10 at checkout for your special 10 percent discount and now back to this incredible interview right here on the sports i'll say this every day i'm learning something new because when you have five kids that are growing up in this world you hear their point of view and you look to study and find out more and in all my life i've basically been about basketball And, and so as a coach you find out really quickly and you're constantly learning so when i grew up 1993 is when i graduated from kansas there, there wasn't a lot of talk about social issues, to be honest with you. I'm in Kansas, which is a predominantly white university. I would say it's not the most diverse university in the world. Um, we didn't talk about those things a whole lot. But now when you coach at a place like Florida Atlantic uh, and you coach at a place like San Francisco in California, you, you're going to have uh, or in the NBA. Just and then playing in the NBA, like when I'm going to play in the NBA, I was the minority, to be quite honestly, every locker room I walked into, I might see another Caucasian. I was not seeing any half Japanese guys on the roster. So you're, you're constantly learning, experiencing new things. Um, you have to listen. I, I think that's the biggest thing. You have to listen to the people that are around you. I have to listen to my kids and we don't always agree. I come from a different generation. I come from a different time. They're experiencing things that I have no knowledge of, quite honestly, because I don't live in their shoes. I don't understand what they're going through. So for me, it's it's more about listening. It's more about trying to understand their point of view. It's about studying, which I never studied anything besides basketball, to be quite honest. When I was a secondary education major at Kansas, most of my teachings were on physical education because I knew I could talk about basketball. So at 51, and to see what all these kids are going through and to see the impact of social media on these kids and how they're being judged and how sometimes they want to be judged, sometimes they want to be heard, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot that what these kids are going through. It's a lot for me to try to take in and, and, understand what they're going through so that's been a a, a constant evolution for me you know so uh, it's a lot to deal with but if you want to coach and you want to work with young people you got to understand where they're coming from yeah and like you said it was different back then so and so is is there a disconnect now where there's an old school mentality which is what we had play through the injuries or shut up and dribble not necessarily but just you know it's not a democracy you know, I've been coaching 30 years, you know, and, and so I understand something and you have to evolve, you know, otherwise you're sort of going to get left behind, but what, where, where is that disconnect? You know, is it the kids don't necessarily relate all the time because either you and I are white, well, we're perceived as white. You're, you know, I'm Jewish, you're, you're half Japanese. And so there's a relatability issue or your old school language or your mentality or your energy or your vibration that comes across you know, is, is different than what they need now, which is instant gratification. If they can't hit the step back, you know, and put people in jail right away and hit that floater or get the Euro, you know, it's frustrating. And when we were doing it, you know, there was hours spent on reps and 
you know, we just, we, we would grind in a different way, I guess you would say. Well, I'll say this, I'll say with just the game of basketball, and this is no criticism of, of any coach, any type of organization. It's different now because of social media. You have to really do a great job when you're at a university, you're in a program, even at the high school level, college level, or even the NBA, you're really going to have to do your work because kids nowadays, and this is not a criticism, they believe that scoring the basketball or like sensationalized plays or spectacular plays are what gets you recruited. And to an extent, it's true. It is. But also, you and I both know what wins basketball games is great defense, right? Protecting the rim, um, putting your body in front of the basketball, uh, protecting the paint, closing out, defensive rebound, which is a physicality. I mean, you, you, watch, you watch teams nowadays, they don't touch hands. They all put their hands close to each other right. with COVID-19 and everything's going on. So now you're asking kids to physically block out other players. So this is, this is the new frontier for coaches to get people to understand the hard things, the things that maybe I didn't recruit you for are now the things I'm going to ask you to do. And so with NIL and with the instant transfer, you're going to have to do a great job of really establishing a relationship and understanding your players. And they still may leave you, right? But you have to make that effort to understand their journey, how they got to this point, whether it's in college or the NBA. Because if you, if you don't, right, there's really no loyalty and there's no reason in their mind to do things that have never been asked of them. Or, or I wouldn't say never but not at a very high level asked of them to do where it's physical. It's tough. It's, it's at times could be uh, very demanding of yeah. a young man or a young woman. So uh, to that point, <clears throat> sort of a joke, but not really because the, the movie that you're in uh, <laughs> was sort of a play on life, right? Blue chips. Yeah. And some of the things that happened in there and what you were asked to do initially versus what ended up happening and the role that you played in the movie versus what really happened in life back then, uh, whether it was the book Raw Recruits, I remember that came out and there was a lot of controversy with that, uh, with Syracuse and, you know, but we all know that people were paid. Um, and now you just mentioned the NIL, the name, image and likeness that has changed with the NCAA as a re result of the Supreme Court case, uh, which is long overdue that Ed O'Bannon really tried to spearhead and, you know, um, finally came to a head in the NCAA if they had just uh, gotten their act together maybe 15, 20 years ago, we wouldn't even be at this point and they would still be making more money, but they blew it. And so um, back then, um, <clears throat> the the recruiting process was different, right? You have a son that plays, right? Yeah. Yes. And so I don't know what level he is. You know, I know he's, he's a good player. I don't know if he's going to, you know, if he's aspirations to play at, at the level that you were at. Uh, but but what, what are the differences? So, because if you get back into the college game, this is a question that we ask that we think is important. You know, we see Deion Sanders at an HBC, you know, we see some of, some of the landscape changing. And so it used to be, well, you didn't deal with a lot of the things that, you know, maybe Roy Williams did. Maybe he was, a uh, you know, similar to um, what's the coach's name with the Seahawks? Um, Pete Carroll. Uh, 
Pete you know, Carroll. So he he's he's more of a holistic kind of coach, right? He he's brought in all these kinds of people to under the umbrella of having a holistic culture. Right. And so so what's the difference now? What would you do differently now if you got back in the college game versus then not just social injustice wise, but mental health, which we'll talk about, that's not as taboo anymore. And you really right. have to do more because the kids and the parents both like you did back when you didn't take a meal because it would have been a violation and you let the coach know on the West coast, you know, and kids aren't necessarily going to do that nowadays, but you were really in tune, you know, with rules and doing things the right way. Your dad taught you to do things the right way, but but how would you, how would you do things differently now as a, as a head college coach? Because, you know, Lav's talked about it. Matt's talked about it because the, the, the culture has changed. Yeah. Well, I think number one, you have to make sure that that young man, understands you completely have his best interests at heart and that is now first and foremost it is it is and it may be a reason why a lot of coaches have decided to get out of it or are getting out of it because and i'm not saying that in a negative way back back when we grew up it was like hey you're going to play for this team this is the opportunity you have to play for this team whereas now i think it's more about hey here are the things that we're going to do to help you develop and grow, not just as a basketball player, not just as a person, not just as a student athlete, but also your brand. How, right. how are we going to help your brand? Well, the one thing I'll say is if the person isn't right, if the student athlete portion of it isn't right, and then the player part of it isn't right, the brand's not going to be as good. So I think you really got to go through the process of what that young man or young woman is going to going to face. Well, they won't be the best versions of themselves either if they're not really feeling whatever, choose the word loved or appreciated or, you know, uh, pushed, you know, those types of things. And that's what you want. You want to have the best versions of themselves, even on a bad day. And that's what you bring to the table every day. And that's what you want. You're going to make mistakes, too. You call yeah. up the wrong plays at the end of a game or you, you know, you, you make mistakes too. And you admit it. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this. The sports deli is sponsored by Moolah kicks. Moolah is M O O L A H like money Moolah and kicks like shoes. One word. You can find them online at moolahkicks.com. And it's the first ever female only brand basketball shoe. So it's a shout out to the basketball street culture and it is also about fighting social injustice and gender inequality worldwide and here in the United States. And again, you can find them at moolahkicks.com. And now back to this incredible interview right here in the Sports Deli. Back in my day, it was an open door policy to go see Coach Williams. And it was also an open door policy when I was a college coach. Come, if you need something, come see me. That won't work today. You're going to have to actively seek out those individuals right. on a day to day. Your most important recruits will be your current players. And you've got to make sure you know what's going on in their life. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you'll get to the point where they'll share it with you, sure. the good and the bad. Because the, the closest players I have are the ones that – had the strength mentally, right, to come and say, hey, this is going on in my life, and this is affecting me. 
And guess what? I was probably a much better coach for those guys. Still hard, right? Yeah. Still, still going to push them. But now I understand where they're coming from and what they really have got on the plate. Because as a 18 to 21, 22 year old young man, if you don't understand or have a, a really good grasp of what's going on in their life, you can't possibly coach them in the way that really fits their individual, right? What, yeah. what, what, what Jay Bill is talking about, his experience. You right. can't make that experience as good as you can make it if you don't really understand. So for, for me, when those guys, and there was maybe three or four at the most that approached me like, this is going on, this is real, and I'm struggling with it. Mm. I also had a, a pretty good relationship with those guys that it continued on after they graduated. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, you, you're going to have to do that now for 13 scholarship players, your walk-ons, your guys yeah. that maybe aren't, you know, the one, two, and three people on your, you know, play chart of who you're running plays for, because yeah. all those guys have an impact on your team, have an impact on every single individual in that room. We had a transfer problem at San Francisco, to be quite honest, right? But, it, you know, when walk-ons are unhappy, guess what? That impacts your locker room. That impacts your player's experience. So you've got to make a conscious effort of understanding and knowing what's going on. And you can't just have an open-door policy. You have to be able to open up that door to their life, right, to understand. Yeah. And that's, that's going to be a – it's a grind. But if you want to coach – that's what you have to do because you want to positively impact young people and make sure that they you give yourself and give them a chance to have the best experience possible. Yeah, it's great to hear you say that. I during the pandemic early on in, in 20, you know, uh, there was a lot of coaches during the NABC series that came on. And it was very interesting to hear how so many of them have pivoted and, you know, how so many of them couldn't enjoy even the winning because not only the pressure, but they, they just were approaching it in a way that, you, you know, they were talking about it completely different than what you were just talking about. And so I guess that's what you learn as you, as you coach over time, that you're so immersed in something that if you're so deep in the forest, you can't see the trees. And it's hard, right? Like I, I've been a college coach for 23 years, and I wasn't at your level or in the NBA level. But still, when you're committed to something, you're immersed in it. And it's hard to see anything else. And so, you know, to then put more energy into some of these other areas, it, it's draining. It's tough. Like you're just, you got to win or you're, or you're gone. Well, I, I think the process is what you got to really get yourself into. And, and I think the first, and, you know, Stan had a great thing. He used to always say when, when we were uh, in Detroit and New Orleans, he said the most important things in this organization are the people in that locker room. And he does a, fun, a fantastic job yeah. of reaching out and, and making sure he's establishing relationships with those guys because he knows he's a hard-driven coach and he yeah. knows there's a high level of accountability. Sure. So this one was really difficult with the pandemic because we literally couldn't spend at the start of the season more than, I want to say, 30 minutes at one time in close refine, you know, uh, the defined quarters. So yeah. it made it really this, – this is the first time I think he really felt like I wasn't able to establish relationships, but I don't know how I could have, you know what I mean? It was going to be a phone call or a text message and it wasn't yeah. going to be face-to-face -face interaction, but that's what it's going to take now. And yeah. so we talk about the process. So of those 13 or 17 players that you have on your roster, you've got to get to the point where they know you're going to seek them out. 
And therefore now they feel more comfortable to seek you out. The open door policy won't work anymore. And you've got to be about the process, really driven about the process as opposed to the results. Yeah. Because if you, if, if you know them in, de in, in, yeah. in depth, you'll know what's going on academically, good or bad. You'll know what's going on socially, good or bad. You'll know what's going on and the impact it's going to have at their home, you know, back home, wherever they're at. And then when they step on the court, which I think is what you're trying to get to as a coach, you, you do want to impact. I've always said my goal is for my guys to have something that they love to do that they can make a living at when they're 40, you know, because there's going to be a time where the ball's going to stop bouncing. Right. And really, 40 is probably too late. It's more now probably 28, 24, right. <laughs> 22, you Definitely. know, um, but that's really what. I always talked about, well, in order for me to do that, you're going to have to do that on a day to day. And, and so once again, your most important recruit, most important recruits are your players that are in the locker room. And that's every single one of them because they all have an impact. Yeah, no doubt. And I, it's great to hear you say that. And, and the journey is scary for a lot of the guys because the, the court is their sanctuary and off the court. A lot of times what they've had to, to endure growing up, you know, and some of the stuff maybe we don't even know about, um, you know, they're trying to navigate that or forget about it in, in a lot of instances. And so to get them to understand that it does take time to heal from those wounds, just like it takes time for you to get better at curling or flaring or, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, it's the same kind of concept. You just have to be patient with yourself and not, you know, not be too hard on yourself. And just as long as you're putting the effort in, then, you know, good things will come out of it. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about, you know, Coach Williams, who just retired um, and, you know, what your experience was like in college, because, you know, time flies, right? It's 30 years later, basically. And uh, I mean, I remember my college days like it was yesterday. And like, like I said earlier, before we uh, did the official intro, you know, the three point line had just come about. Um, craftiness was just sort of starting back then. Uh, like I teach as a professional basketball skills trainer now, the KJ, the Kevin Johnson, which nobody uses in the NBA, even to this day, or the WNBA, and I still teach it, um, and uh, the, the Steve Smith. So, and Steve Smith did that one move almost every time down the floor, either to create space or take away space. Obviously, he was 6'8", so it helped, you know, go Sparty. But, you know, in, in, in all seriousness, like, what was it like there? Because I've asked Rashawn this question when he came on. I, I've asked Matt this question. He played with Michael Jordan. I, I've asked all the UCLA guys that have come on, and there was a disconnect for 20 years there after Jim Herrick got fired because of, you know, just a, a lot of turmoil. So how is it at Carolina, uh, you know, the brotherhood, and not only when you're playing there and just the history it's not just Jordan, it's James Worthy and it's Sheed and, and the list goes on and on, you know, and then now like how it is just staying in touch with those guys. Well, you know, I'll say, I'll say this, all of these institutions, Kansas, where I went to school, Carolina, UCLA, it used to be a goal. Like when I was growing up, UCLA was my school. I wanted to go to UCLA. I wore a UCLA starters jacket. That was something that was really important to me. Like yeah. that was, that was a goal to get there yeah. and be a part of that. I think today's young men, and this is not a prism. It's just, it is what it is. It's a reality. Yeah. It is a vehicle for them to get to where they 
want to get to. Sure. And that's different. That's that's yeah. a different mindset. That's a different way of looking at things. And that includes Kentucky. That includes Carolina. That includes Kansas. That includes use all the blue bloods. Michigan. Yeah. Right. They're, they're, it's now a vehicle yeah. to get to what they want. I, I, I heard a coach say, hey, we don't want to just beat Duke and Carolina. We want to beat the Ignite, the NBA G League Ignite. We want to show them that that's a vehicle for them to get to where they want to get to, which is the NBA, which is going to work um, at a very low percentage to be quite, because a very low percentage, as good as the Ignite was, I want to say four of their players didn't make it. They did not get drafted, you know, in the first round or in the lottery. So you have to understand there's going to be some failure in that as well. So knowing that, that has to, you know, also determine how you're going to approach this because the brotherhood that I had at Kansas with Adonis Jordan and Eric Pauly and Richard Scott, and you know, and then, you know, Danny Manning hired me for a job. He's a Kansas guy. Justin Bauman was a student manager at Kansas. He's one of my really good friends. There's a brotherhood there because we went to school for four years. We didn't see it as a vehicle. We saw it as an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, that's going to present some some unique challenges for coaches nowadays. It, uh, like I said, it's, it's why I believe some of these programs, their coaches are deciding to move on, quite honestly, because it's, it's a different way of looking at things. But if you want a coach, it's and this is probably a too harsh phrase, but it's adapt or die. You're going to have to adapt to today's young young people, what they're trying to do. And then again, through all that, you have to constantly be showing our young people what they can be and not what they are, where right. they want to go and how we're going to get there. And, and so that's a little different way of phrase because back in the day, like, like I said, and I, I, I don't, I'm not offended by this. When coach Williams told me I was the most selfish player in 27 years of coaching, <laughs> I took it as a challenge. Right. I took that. I took that as a challenge. Okay, cool. I'm going to show you what, the kids nowadays, they're not going to respond to that. Yeah. I, yeah. I was second on the team in assists. I think Adonis had, you know, less than 10 more assists than I did. That was a big thing for me to show to Coach Williams. Like, no, I'm not selfish. I'm selfish about winning. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. Uh, and I don't know. Yeah. I didn't know how to win at that point. But that helped me become a more team-oriented player. Whereas today's kid, you, you say that to a kid nowadays, they might shut you out forever. Especially when you do it in front of the whole team. Like that was said in front of the whole team, you know? So that was, yeah. that was, you know, and I'm not mad about it, that. I grew up in that era. Yeah. It's a different era. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that in 2021. Yeah. You know, it was, it, you better really know your young man. You, know, <laughs> right. you better really know what makes him tick. And yeah. maybe coach Williams did. He's a much smarter man than I ever was. Yeah. Uh, ever am going to be, but, but um, you, you got to really know your players. If you're going to put something like that on the line, because kids nowadays, so it goes back to what we said again. You're going to have to invest in your young people and really understand who they are, what makes them tick, what their experience is like, right? How they impact others, how others impact them. And then at that point, you can understand how I'm going to coach this young person to help him achieve and show him what he can be. So have you stayed in touch with him over the years? To we text, I texted him on his 71st birthday and, you know, he hit me back like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which was nice, but, but, yeah. uh, you know, we, here's the thing that, here's the other thing that, that 
people don't understand. So he's 71. He just turned 71 years old and he coached 30 years and you got four to five kids a year. That's 150 kids that are in his family. Right. You know what I mean? So that, that, and I know coach Smith viewed it the same way that he's looking after them intently. I, I remember this story by Larry Brown. He, he shared Larry Brown was, was, I want to say at Denver or, or at a place. And, and he was talking about coach Smith gives him a call and he says, Hey, I need you. Uh, he asked him, who are you drafting for the NBA draft? And, and coach Brown said, I, I got the guy picked out. I know who I'm drafting. We got it all laid out. And Coach Smith said, no, 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 you're not. I need you to draft this young man that played for Coach Smith. <laughs> okay. Right. And Coach Brown was like, ho, 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 Coach, Coach, hold on a second. I know who I'm going to get. I know what we need. This is the young man I got. Uh, and then on draft night, he picked the guy that Coach Smith told him to draft. Okay. Wow. So that's pretty powerful stuff. And late years later, he asked Coach Smith, why, why did you ask me to do that? And Coach Smith said, Coach, he said, Larry, I knew you were going to be okay, but I didn't know if he would be if you didn't draft him. So, wow. But Who's it that gets really, <laughs> I, I, I can't, I don't know. And oh, you remember? I yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. I wouldn't say anyways. Yeah, yeah. But, but it talks about that power of family. Yeah. At, at University of North Carolina that, that, you know, obviously Larry played for Dean and, yeah. you know, uh, worked under him for a short period of time and and that and now coaching with penny <laughs> yeah, yeah now coaching with penny so it but it talks about the power of that program and how they really looked after each other and that's a powerful Amazing. thing well now with one and done with uh, that that's going to change that's different now and so it's it's just really interesting to see you know thinking about back in 1993 what i went through and, and being in 2021 well coach smith and coach brown go even further than that but yeah. that is constantly changing and evolving and you, you know these programs these blue buds are going to have to adjust to that so talk about your playing career and and how how that did you think after transferring and you had a, a you know you helped your team to the final four and you know you had some good numbers uh you know you were obviously projected as a first rounder but did you was that a goal like when you transferred from northwestern to kansas that you really wanted to you know you had aspirations to try and play in the league yeah, it was, but it, again, we talked about this. It wasn't the end-all, be-all. I, I knew I was going to – I'll say this. I knew I had to play because I had no idea what else I could do, <laughs> okay? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, you know I, I wanted to coach eventually, Yeah. Uh, but I didn't know what else I was really going to be any good at if I wasn't able to make some money playing basketball. So – playing at Kansas and playing in a final four and trying to win a national championship. That was, that was the end all be all in terms of that's the number one goal for me. And then after that, okay, I'm, let me, let me, let me start thinking about other goals. How yes, is it being I, a I, white guy in the NBA though? It's different. No, it's different. You walk into every locker room. I'm from, I'm, and I'm from suburb, suburban San Jose, like yeah. not a big city, not a basketball Mecca. Um, no, nobody was writing stuff about me when I was a junior in high school, sophomore in high school. A lot of these guys are pretty yeah. well known, especially your better players. Um, but were they trying to punk you in the NBA? Were they like trying no, to rip you? I, I never, stuff? I never had a bad teammate. I, I really didn't. I, you know, I had guys that maybe I didn't always see eye to eye with yeah. on things, but I didn't have any bad people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, and there are some bad people in the NBA. I won't say who I think are. Yeah. But, 
there are some people that I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be around. But I was blessed and fortunate. In seven years playing in the NBA, I had all great teammates. They wanted to win. They were about a lot of the right things. They had a different way of looking at the world, maybe than I did. Right. But uh, didn't have uh, bad guys. Yeah. Uh, There's some people maybe that I you know that that I was around. I was like, oof, I would never want to be around <laughs> that person outside you know outside of a game but but uh and i'm talking about guys that people think are like alan iverson is a great guy right like vernon maxwell is a great guy yeah but people see that 30 second snippet the practice thing they don't even understand all that went into that with alan people see vernon going into the stands and and going after a fan but those are those are snippets and if you if you look at every human being they've had moments Right. That they would look back and say, yeah, I could have handled that a little bit better. You know, and I'm not I'm, and I'm not including Allen's timeout rant. That's not one that yeah. I thought he handled that the way he felt he should have. Handled. I don't think he should regret that. Vernon might, but right. I don't know what was said to him. So I, I'm really one that doesn't pass a lot of judgment on people that if I don't know all the facts, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to sit because it's not my place to do so. Uh, and even when I do know all the facts. I still may reserve the right to say, Hey, I'm not judging this person because I don't know everything that's going on in their life to get to that point. There may be a word, there may be a phrase that triggers them, you know? Uh, And what you try to do mostly, most of all is try to help them in those situations. You know, when Dennis, when, when Alan wanted to fight Dennis Rodman, I was just trying to help Alan. Like, Hey, this is not something we need right now. You know? And and so at, at those moments, it's about more help than it is about judgment. So then, you know, you, you go to, to coach in the NBA and so now you're on the other side, you know, after coaching in college and, you know, had probably just memories that you'll keep with you for forever as a player, just, you know, and you've leveraged it as you should. Uh, and you just talked about a little bit of the, the fan involvement or over-involvement. And so as a coach, um, you know, what were the differences? Obviously, you know, uh, managing personalities is obviously a big one from, from college to the pros. Um, but, but what were some of the other differences? And, and do you think the NBA is doing a good job with, with the situation with the fans? Sports Daily is sponsored by PSK. You can find them online at lids.com, pskcollective.com, tjmax.com, walmart.com, and now Cole's department store at Coles.com. And now back to this incredible interview right here in the sports deli. I think they're working really hard. And I know this about the NBA. They're, they're going to go into every single minute detail that they can. I think that they're, they're, they're really smart about that. I think that there's things that are even going to come up on the horizon that, that maybe they're not going to be prepared for, but again, they're going to attack it in a way that they can figure it out. Um, I think the most important thing with pro players, even more so than college, because when, when you're working in the NBA, you work with men, you're, you're really, even, yeah. even the young guys, like my time with Zion was phenomenal. My time with Brandon Ingram was phenomenal. Zoe phenomenal. Um, they, they really, because they, they are NBA players, in my opinion, they, they are the finest, uh, when it comes to their craft. They are truly that, not 1%, but 0.00, maybe 0.01% 
uh, they're truly unique and special at what they do. So you've got to be really good at making sure that they know I can help you get better. Right. Um, I think that they have their families now. They have their people. Uh, but if you can show them, yes, you care about them and you're really going to work your tail off to help them be better, better versions of themselves on the court, mm-hmm. then they're going to listen. They're going to yeah. respond. That's what they care about the most. An NBA player. And I'm sure the NFL is probably the same. I don't know. Baseball. I mean, you're talking about just really like they're most like a golfer. Like you can never hit a golf ball the way a Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson. Right. They're, they've been completely and really well trained. And they've conditioned their body and their mind at a right. very high level. So when they want to get to that second and third contract, to be honest with you, I mean, that's what they're, that's what they want. I think, I think KD, like KD, he wants to be the best at his craft or the best version of himself in that craft. So if you can show, and I I believe the same thing about Brandon and there's some things, you know, no, no players perfect. And they have things that that they need to work on and you got to show them why they need to work on them. But I love the fact we're playing OKC and I'm like, B.I., you're the one guy that can guard this dude. He took the challenge and, and he wanted that. So right. um, it's, it's also a journey for them. But if you can show them that this makes you better, like this is how we're going to get better. They definitely respond to those things and they want those things. So, so for me as a coach, it was a lot of fun. My year in Detroit, my year in, in uh, New Orleans, um, mm. with all the craziness of the pandemic and you know, traveling to Portland and just seeing the devastation that was going on there in a great, like a great city. But you yeah. see all the tents, you see the homelessness, you see the boards on the buildings, and you see some unbelievable murals on right. some of the boards. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but even through all of that stuff, and, and obviously being let go at the end of the season, like I, I loved being around those guys and trying yeah. to figure out ways to help and inspire them. Uh, even if it was just a, a three minute video just to get them laugh, get them to see the vision and to get them to pursue it. I have over the last year and a half, we've, like I said earlier, pivoted with the show and talked more about issues that I think run a little bit deeper than just talking sports, you know, but uh, you know, I've, I have felt somewhat complicit, you know, even though I was integrated at a young age in Detroit, I was the only white guy on my high school team. Um, and you know, I've learned a lot over the years as a coach, starting my 30th year at both the college level and the high school level, both men, women, and boys and girls. And so, um, I, I like to ask this question because it's always interesting to hear people's opinions about, you know, how you've changed in terms of being an ally since the death of George Floyd and how you, you listen differently now. And, and then are we going in the right direction, not only in sports, but, you know, off the court in terms of obviously speaking up and dribbling, but with policy changes and things of that nature to, to bridge this gap, because there's still two different sets of laws in this country in a lot of ways. Well, I think the first thing is you got to educate yourself. You got, you got, you got to really look into what's going on with the system, what's going on with the systemic racism, uh, the fund, the police, all, all of these different things that are going on you better educate yourself. You, you really do. And, and so I, I don't believe in this is my truth. I believe in really looking into what's really going on here uh, with what happened with George Floyd, all that went into it. That was a devastating thing that impacted so many people. So when that happens, 
you want to educate yourself. You, you, you want to know what you're, and that's really challenged me as a coach because you do have to listen. You do have to read. You do have to research because you want to have a great grasp of what's going on uh, and understanding that point of view that is different than mine. I grew up in suburban San Jose. Like yeah. I, I didn't have very many, my, a problem for me was having the, having a pimple on the, you know, yeah. on my nose right. walking into school. Like that, that's a yeah. whole different, you know, problem than what some of these young people are going through every day. So listening, reading, researching, those are things that, that all of us, all of us need to do. Yeah. Absolutely. And then uh, the other issue that, you know, as people have been more open about is, is mental health. And so how, how did the organizations that you've been a part of um, handle any of these types of issues, in, in this case, mental health, uh, to make them feel like, you know, it's okay to talk about, you're not going to get ostracized or, you know, things aren't going to happen. You're not going to get cut necessarily that it's a safe space. Well, I think the first thing, like this year in New Orleans was the first year that we had a, a team psychiatrist. That's Someone unbelievable, that, to yeah, be honest with you. Yeah, that, that our players could go to. She was a great lady. She she wasn't necessarily a basketball person, right. but uh, it was something that that uh, our players felt comfortable. A majority of them felt comfortable talking about. Uh, at the same time, they also know it is a business, right? right? They, they need to know that. But uh, through your process and your experience here i think that that they really wanted to make it a positive experience whether it was for three years whether it was for three days like we, they wanted the players to, to feel like hey this is a positive experience i do understand it's a business i do understand we have to win ball games but they're going to do everything they can to make sure that i have a positive experience yeah uh <clears throat> and so do you think colleges uh, are doing a good job as well and having things in place to, to sort of have those safeguards and checks and balances for the kids? Well, I, I think it's, it's got to continue to evolve. Yeah, I, I really do. I think that we're going to, you know, it's funny. I, I, I just, I got a text from a friend of mine saying that the former school that my kids went to, there was a shooting at the school. You know, my, my kids went from a, you know, really private school in San Francisco to all of a sudden a very public school in North Carolina, you know, and, and a shooting happens. So you gotta, you gotta read the report. You gotta find out what's going on. You gotta check on the people that you know there to make sure that they're doing okay. Wow. But we're gonna ha continue to have issues. And, and here's the thing is uh, you wanna be proactive, number one, to, to, to try to alleviate or stop some of these things from happening, but also how you're gonna react when it does happen. Cause we're not gonna be able you know, there's only one perfect, perfect person that walked on this earth. His name was Jesus Christ, right? right. He's the one that had the, all the answers. We don't, yeah. you know, we are, we are fallible. We do make mistakes, but how we react to those mistakes are going to be really important. I'm really, really blessed and fortunate. Uh, I've, 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 I've worked hard, but sure. I always say this, I, I, I haven't worked a day in my life. Cause when you, when you love what you're doing, uh, are you really working? Yeah, for sure. I love it. All right, let's get to the rapid fire. Sports Deli is sponsored by City Lokes, C-I-T-Y-L-O-C-S. You can find them online at citylokes.com where you can go and make your own personalized license plate hats. They're so cool. You got to check them out. And don't forget to enter the code THESPORTSDELI at checkout for your special 10% discount. And now back to this incredible interview 
right here in the sports deli. You study other coaches, obviously, like Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, you know, basketball coaches, the Van Gundy brothers. Okay, so first, would you choose Nick Saban or Bill Belichick? Uh, I always go with the teacher over the student. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so um, right yeah. now, I, you know, Bill Belichick, he, he's different than Saban. I think Saban is a little bit more – uh, especially in front of the microphone, a little bit more dynamic. I, I, I don't think Coach Belichick would have any problem with that either. I don't think he would care. <laughs> but um, yes, I, I do think that that even even in today's game, Belichick, uh, Coach Belichick is more old school. Yeah. Nick Saban is old school that has integrated some new school into, <laughs> into what because he's working with younger kids too, and, and totally. so. He, he does understand and professional sports and college sports are completely and totally different. Totally so different. Yeah. Um, there's no recruit. I mean, there's recruiting uh, in professional basketball, but it's different. It's a different type of recruiting. Whereas, yeah. whereas with Alabama, even though it is the, it is the program, you know, yeah. one, two or three, whatever you want to place it. He still is always thinking recruiting and how do I get the best players? So his phrasing of things, it's a little bit more new school because he understands how important the recruiting aspect is to it. What coach did you learn the most from uh, that you didn't expect to learn the most from? Well, Stan, Stan is Stan is the best. Stan Van yeah. Gundy. Today's giveaway is compliments of PSK Collective. Be inspired in PSK, where their clothing promotes inclusivity, empowerment, and equality by supporting female athletes through the Women's Sports Foundation. So today's giveaway is... A women's large cutoff. And you can see the nice logo there uh, in the middle. Uh, and it's uh, pink. And so today's question is, and again, make sure you put giveaway in the subject heading in an email to us uh, and send it to thesportsdeli at gmail.com. And so you're going to hear Coach Walters talk about who his... Uh, most influential coach was uh, in his career, uh, in addition to Coach Williams, and tell me the one thing that he says that this person did not have that if he had had him, that would have made him uh, one of arguably the best coaches in the history of the league, along with the Pat Rileys and the Chuck Daly's and the uh, Phil Jackson's and, you know, those types of uh, coaches who all had, you know, this type of player, uh, but unfortunately was never afforded that opportunity. And now back to this incredible interview right here in the sports deli. The only thing, only place he didn't exceed was he didn't have a generational player right. at his time. Like Zion can be that generational player, yeah. but he didn't have a Michael, a LeBron, a Magic, yeah. you know, a Kareem, that player that if you look at all the great coaches, usually what they, 99, I'd be hard pressed to say, they didn't have that generational player, right? They, they always did. Pat Riley's yeah. great. Yeah, he is great. And there's it is hard coaching great players. It is. It's a bigger challenge in some ways coaching a great player. But I think those Hall of Fame coaches, I, and, I, and I've, I played for him. Pat Riley had Magic, Kareem, LeBron, you know, like Shaq, right? Um, and Shaq 
with Dwayne, who was Dwayne, right. who was at the top of his game. I think that's really important. But but Stan's organization, mm. uh, how intelligent he is, and he's not just intelligent about basketball, but he's truly a guy that is actively and will fight for social justice. It's important right. to him. Him and Paul. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, no question. Like he will fight and, and to the point where it can harm himself. <laughs> he doesn't care. He right. believes in what he believes in, and he will fight for it till the end. Um, but he actually studies it. Like his his workload, his ability to work, it's better than anyone I've ever been around. Wow. His his, you know, how he plans for a practice how he plans for a season, how he plans for each day. Our guys knew when they were going to have days off. And this is with an NBA schedule during the COVID virus, okay, wow. COVID-19. He has it broken down. So uh, he's the one that, that in terms of organization, detail, uh, understanding the plan, understanding the adjustments to the plan, understanding the adjustment to the adjustment to the plan, and right. then understanding the adjustment to the adjustment to the adjustment to the plan. Like, that was, I've never seen anything like it in my years wow. um, in coaching. You know, Bob Byer is a great coach that nobody knows of. And then yeah. obviously I've been blessed. Like Pat Riley, I always say the best motivational speaker, mm-hmm. um, a little bit more old school, but yep. he has great credibility because of the rings and right. what he's been able to do. Chuck Daly was the best psychi- psychiatrist or psychologist. I've mm. ever been around, could deal wow. with any type of player um, and just had a way about him that players responded and, and mm. respected. Um, Larry Brown was one of the best at also adjustments in a different time, but he could find a team and he knew how to get a team to play at its highest level. Mm. Uh, so I've been blessed to, to see these things. I mean, obviously Coach Williams at the college level, yeah. but, uh, but Stan Van Gundy, um, and he's been really, really good to me, giving me opportunities to work for him so sure. I could really see it in yeah. depth every single day. But I think also, even though he's in some ways old school, his commitment to the world. <laughs> yes, life outside of basketball. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, outside of basketball, what's going on in our country, uh, in politics, in social justice, in mass incarceration. Right. Like, he, he is he is all and he beat he beats me by i'm like a infant newborn baby compared to the experience and the time that he'll put into those things which is pretty impressive yeah and everyone's different and you know you everyone has the right to to do things in their in their own timelines in their own ways but it's i have been critical of tom brady for example on this show because with his platform there's not another white guy in america maybe in the world that could say black lives matter. And he hasn't said it once. And so when you have the outpouring of support from white people, like we've never seen before, you know, but the reality is that people across the board are not going to listen to Stan necessarily a lot. will maybe more listen to pop, but then after pop could be Brady and who knows what he could do if he would do things more uh, publicly versus, you know, behind the scenes. Cause I, obviously he's well loved and beloved in the locker room. I just yeah. wish there were more people, you know, from the white perspective that were out there sharing their perspectives so that, you know, we could educate more people because, you know, we still got a long ways to go. Okay. So fascinating stuff. Would you rather snuggle with a giraffe or a penguin? <laughs> I'd probably go with a penguin. <laughs> if you had a pet parrot, what would you teach it to say? Uh, I'd teach him to say, 
yes, honey. Because every time I, my wife asked me to do something, he would look at him. <laughs> he'd say, yes, honey. <laughs> pick and roll or pick and pop? Uh, I was pick and pop. I, I would, and I really probably slipped to a pop because they're switching my pick. <laughs> yeah. Right. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Floater or Euro? Uh, pull up. I, I'd shoot a pull up. I'm not into Euros and I'm old school. So you and I, Dan I Dickow, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And neither one of us were great NBA players. <laughs> well, you, you have some longevity. Dan, Dan had some good years. Dan had some good yeah. years, I would think. Yeah, I would think yeah. Dan had some good years. Yeah, yeah both he, did go, like to he did go to Gonzaga, so I automatically took <laughs> off of it That's with right. that guy. <laughs> oh, boy, here we go. The smoke yeah. is coming. Uh, okay, so speaking of Brady, Brady or Montana? You being a Northern California. Ooh, man. Man, that's a tough one. I mean, obviously, you know, Tom Brady has the rings, but I grew up in the Joe Montana right. era. I mean, so if I had to pick a quarterback for one game, wow, wow, I I I'd take Joe Montana. I would. Yeah. I might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking with your heart or your head there. A lot with my heart. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, hoop dreams or white man can't jump. Hoop dreams, hoop, hoop dreams. Yeah, I like white men can't jump, but but hoop dreams. Uh, yeah. Because and I was just on their podcast. It just dropped right. today, actually. Yeah. And it was such a truthful like documentary about what young people can go through, like what what Arthur went through, like going right. to a school that was predominantly white, not being able to stay at that school, having to pay his bill to get his transcripts. But and I'm you know I'm not judging the school but but that he went through a lot yeah and found a way to get a ultimately get a division one scholarship what you know william gates went through and and the pressure of trying to be the next isaiah thomas right. and then going through injury and having a child and persevering and making it to marquette and ultimately getting his degree right. like that was that was really powerful for me at, at a time where i had already experienced those things but it hadn't been talked about right. uh, at that level with that amount of depth of truth. Yeah. I knew you were on there. That's why I asked that question. So that yeah. was, that was solid. That was good. Yeah. yeah. I, I haven't listened to the whole thing, but I've listened to snippets of it. It was really, it was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, step back three, three off an elevator screen or a corner three. Well, step back three. Cause I knew I could always get, it, especially going right, <laughs> going right. Cause it got to my left hand. That's right. That step back three. They didn't shoot it. We didn't shoot a whole lot back then. So it would have been fun to do it in today's Ooh, game. But man. my knee, like literally my right knee is so banged up that wow. we'd, have, we'd have to do like youth, you know, body rejuvenation. <laughs> That's at the right. highest level. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Alonzo morning or Dikembe? Alon Alonzo was the ultimate warrior. I don't know Dikembe, so I'm very, yeah. very biased. Yeah. Uh, I just, I'll never forget this. Alonzo, after a loss, would be in the weight room already. Like that, we'd listen to Coach wow. Riley talk, and Alonzo went right back to work. I remember losing a game. The next day, we're doing our off day, which was on a bike, by the way. We'd get on bikes. <laughs> right. And we would ride, and we would ride and sweat. And, and Coach Riley would talk to us and have his blue card out. And you know, we get off the bikes and on that particular, it wasn't an off day. We were going on the court and Pat had to push Alonzo off the court because <laughs> no, I can't have you practice today. And Alonzo was the ultimate warrior, completely wow. committed to work 
Wow. Uh, it was a phenomenal thing. And I always said this, and him and Timmy were our best players. Timmy was, I thought, our best player. Alonzo was our best worker and our franchise, like the, the face of the organization. Yeah. Um, but to have a guy like that with that kind of work ethic just raised everyone's level of work ethic. And Are you talking about Hardaway? No, I'm talking about Alonzo. Now, Timmy would, Timmy would tell you how, what he thought. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And if, and if it was an off day, he was like, yeah, because he was older. His yeah, knee yeah, was yeah. Quite right, right, like, right. I'm, ta- I'm taking this off day if you're giving it to me, Pat. Yeah, Alonzo yeah. had none of that. Alonzo's <laughs> like, no, I'm going. I'm going every day, every second. Like, he was completely and totally just the ultimate, like, soldier. That's cool. Trying to yeah. get Pat on because Pat was Don Coges' roommate. Okay. Uh, in the in the you NBA. better work that you better work that angle then because Pat is hard. I, Pat is hard to get on these things. He he says he wants to be in the background, but but I think he just is really really picky. About what yeah, he will totally. Do. <laughs> it's funny. It's the same thing that uh, uh, one of the people that work in the uh, Aces organization about Bill Lambeer. He told okay. me he may come on, but he better have a good round of golf. Because if he has a bad round of golf, forget it. You got no shot at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, Dick Vitale, Bill Walton, or Steve Lavin as an announcer? Oh, gosh. Uh, I like <laughs> Steve. You know, Steve's a, a Bay Area guy. Yep. Uh, Bill, Bill, Bill Walton, every time you meet Bill Walton, and if you've met him multiple times, it doesn't matter. He will come up to you. He will shake his shake your hand. Yep. He will say your whole name, Rex Walters. Hey, Bill Walton. Great to meet you. <laughs> right. It, totally. I've known Bill a long time out here in San yeah. Diego. Yeah. Really funny. So yeah, I, I can listen to Bill and I can listen to Lav. Like I can listen. But and 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 Dick Vitale. Even though we got into it a long time ago. Right. He was great. He was great for college basketball. Oh. People really tuned in. So I don't think you can lose with any of those three. So during a timeout, would you rather draw up a play down two? with five seconds left with the ball down three with eight seconds left with the ball or down three with 36 seconds to go with the ball, obviously having to go for a two for one in that situation. Uh, I'll take uh, down two because it's, I got, I got a great time. I'm going to get a quality look down two for three. Are we on the road or are we at home? Uh, We'll say on the road. Then definitely, I'll take the down to five seconds to go, and I can. I'll definitely get us a quality shot. I one time I didn't, and Chris Adams saved me. He hit a really tough three to tie the ball game. But but yeah, I can I can get us a pretty good look with five seconds to go to get a three to win. So if you got no timeouts left, are you are you drawing up a zone and a man play? You, I think you're always. Uh, what, a lot of teams won't go zone, so you better scout really well and, and what they'll do after a timeout. Yeah. But most of my plays, well, all of my plays out of timeouts, I want to I want to have something, uh, one or two plays that'll be great against man or zone, and and you're gonna and you're actually gonna go over it in the timeout. Hey, if they're a man, this is what we're running, right? This is what we're doing against the zone. It's the same play, but this right. is how we're setting these screens. Interesting. So a lot, uh, what's the most successful component, a screen, the screener? Uh, some, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a tight curl to a screen. Sometimes it's yeah. a slip. I mean, you've got to have a great understanding of who you're playing and what they do. Uh, yeah. Not just, not just from a scheme standpoint, but what their players like to do. Some, some teams will point switch. Some teams come together on contact with their switches. Uh, some teams are going to switch one through four, one through five. Some teams, if they have their big on the floor for whatever reason, you know, maybe, you know, 
Coach Pops gets criticized for having Tim Duncan out of that out of the game when when Ray Allen hits that three. But you know, at the time, you know, it was it was more about switching. So yeah. they didn't have him, but that's why they didn't give up the rebound. So you know, Coach Stan says this, and I says he says this: the only right decision is the one that works. <laughs> right. Totally. Are yeah. you are you surprised? Because for a long time, it was about ESPN showing the dunks and the Jordan era, and that's what people were working on. And now. Steph Curry has obviously revolutionized the game in, in a whole different way. I, I, did you ever imagine it would get to this point where the, the skill set of the players are, are where they are, where it's not just one through six or seven, but literally every guy on the roster can break someone down with seven seconds to go on the shot clock and get downhill in a hurry and, and you know, can shoot pretty well too, except, you know, some of the players obviously are, are playing bully ball. But, I mean, it's it's amazing to me. I can't stand watching so many pick and rolls personally, you know, but but the skill stuff is just it's just fascinating to see how they read footwork and, and creating and taking space away. I mean, I, it's as a pro skills trainer, it, it's I love watching that stuff. Well, it's funny because now – you see a lot of chase action where guys will, will throw and go back and get it just because it's harder guard yeah. uh, than your traditional pick and roll. Yeah. And um, so you, you, we're seeing more of that. We're seeing more movement stuff. We're seeing more pistol action. We're passing yeah. and getting it back or faking the handoff. So, but yes, the skill level of players, now, it's, it amazes me. When I, when I think of, you know, how much different my game, I was an A to B straight line drive guy, right? And it catch the three, get to the rim or get to your pull up. And, 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 and so today's game, you have to guard so many more things. Like my son's skill set is so much better than mine. He, he's not six, three, he's not, you know, 190 pounds, but his skill set and his ability to pass, uh, I'm not going to let him watch this because I don't want him to hear this. <laughs> But but his skill set, his IQ, is, yeah, is yeah, is so much better than mine at that age because I was I was a shooter, I was a straight line driver, and and then I had the pull up game. Well, you know, he's got so much more than that, you know. So it it, it is amazing. And then you watch NBA players, it's like wow, um, what these guys are able to do. It's it's truly like I I got to coach Luke Kennard. His skill set mm. was so good at six five six six. Oh. And, you know, Great he's, player. Yeah, he's a rotational guy in the NBA. And I was like, yeah. wow, right. he's, he's pretty impressive. Um, I was, I was, it was fun for me to work with a guy like that. Let me ask you about your daughter. Um, because, you know, uh, I talk about betting on women a lot. And so obviously she's had to navigate some different spaces herself. How was it being a girl dad and uh, helping her to navigate her spaces? And now she's with the Timberwolves. You know, obviously, I mentioned that earlier, but but how how was that? You just get to see a different perspective. Like yeah. I would, if I didn't have daughters, I wouldn't totally have understood the whole weight room NCAA weight room thing. I wouldn't have understood it Ugh. when I was in college. I wouldn't even have thought about it. I would probably would I would have just kept moving on in my Twitter feed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I I just couldn't relate. But seeing how it affected my daughter, and yeah. and then as a mom, you know, as as a as a girl dad yeah. like you don't want your daughter to experience something like that or made to feel that way so it, you know it did impact me in a, in, a, in a big way and now to see her journey now as a coach like she literally left today yeah you know she left wow. two days to drive to minnesota 
she's so excited. I was teasing oh. my son. I said, we only got two people in the NBA club. It's me and my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, hopefully maybe you'll work hard. You can join it too. But, yeah, but, right. but um, yeah, so just being able, and, and we don't always see the eye on it, everything. We don't, but for me to see her perspective on things from a, you know, a 24 year old young woman, that's, you know, going through different things, you know, getting her mastery from Santa Clara during the COVID virus and mm. all the things that she had to go through. It's, it's really good for me. Like uh, we talk about adapt or die. Like she's right. one that's helped me adapt and understand what a young lady goes through. Cause I didn't understand that perspective when I was her age. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. My daughter's going to be 11. It's definitely a different, Ooh, man, <laughs> you, you've been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, inside the NBA, Kenny, a few more, Kenny, Shaq, Ernie, or Chuck. I want, I want Shaq and Chuck. <laughs> all the time <laughs> i may miss a game but i tell you what i will either tape it or i will watch the next game because they usually have it on nba tv right. just to watch the post game show <laughs> like it is like oh, and man. it's funny i did media training those guys follow nothing <laughs> when it comes to media training but they are funny and it is oh, real. And, real and they're not afraid to share and i hope we never get that and sometimes they're right sometimes they're wrong but yeah. you know it's coming from the heart and when they're wrong they say it which yeah. is really really you know impressive too like but it's really funny i think that's the biggest totally. thing and at the end of the game at the end of the day i've coached the game my entire life yeah. and so to see people having fun doing it, it's pretty cool pretty cool man uh mark jackson or jeff van gundy as an announcer well, jeff, jeff van gundy like yeah he's phenomenal He's and, and nothing against Mark. I've got to meet Mark before and, and was obviously a great play. Played against Mark as well. But but being now a coach yeah. and understanding his perspective on things. And, and I've I've got to watch Stan and Jeff go at each other. So, yeah. you know, Stan Jeff would come to some of our personnel meetings and they would literally just be in a full-fledged argument in front of 40 people, you know, in the Pistons organization. <laughs> it's classic stuff, and you can see that when Jeff and Mark are going at it. So, and I just enjoy Jeff's perspective on how he sees the game. Stan or Jeff? Well, Stan, Stan's, he's given me two, there you two go, jobs. Right. He's, he's helped me keep food on the table. We were able to, yeah. you know, move back up to Michigan. He's been yeah. unbelievable to me. And I, I don't always know why, but it, it's always been a lot of fun for me to work for him. The staff meetings are what I'll miss the most. The staff meetings when he's telling stories and we're uh, putting together game plans and practice plans. And, uh, he, he is never one that's shy or afraid to question himself, which I think is a great quality of a coach. I learned a lot about that, but he really looks at things deeply. Uh, and he really also genuinely cares about his players, even when there's things about the games he may not like. He's yeah. going to he's going to bend over backwards to try to make. Uh, them the best version of themselves that they can be I'm, I, I was I was surprised that he was let go to be honest with you I thought I thought he was a good fit but you know everybody has their own philosophies on why they want to go in the directions they want to go in so yeah yeah it was yeah. a weird one it was a weird one we, we we went from the 29th defensive team in the first half to the you know top 10 defensive team in the second half every single player that returned to the team from the previous year improved and and yeah and off the totally. chart uh, I think what, what we saw was Zion. Nobody saw that. No, nobody was thinking point Zion. He was, 
and 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 literally from the first time I talked to him, he's like, I want to see what this guy can do. Like we're gonna put him in as many situations as possible. And he really researched it and how we can get the most out of Zion, get the most out of BI. And, you know, it wasn't good enough to get to the play. I mean, I always say this, we were one and a half games back with five games to go. And then Steven Adams is out. Zion Williams is out. Brandon yeah. Ingram's out. And then I want to say Zoe is out. Yeah. So we were right there to get in the play. And if you get in the play, you got a chance. So yeah. it was disappointing. But, hey, uh, I, I know he's fine. Um, yeah. I don't think he wanted to end that way. But sure. I know this. He poured everything he had into that thing. And so I think when you do that, you, you don't have feel a lot good of about it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Does Rick Carlisle really tape his ankles before games now? Still as a I coach? Don't know. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I heard I that. To, yeah, I got a chance. That Rick was a, a young coach with the New Jersey Nets and was very thoughtful. It was a different NBA back then, but, you know, enjoyed my time with him. He's a, you know, great coach, championship coach. And, and so it's great to see him. Uh, he's working for Kevin Pritchard, who's a Kansas guy. Uh, so yeah. hopefully they can get that thing going. We've got a nice roster. Dishes, laundry, or vacuuming? I'm a great vacuumer. I literally, wow. I, I'm a great vacuumer. <laughs> I, I enjoyed doing it. We've got a great vacuum. And I uh, did like four days in a row because we're trying to get our house, we're trying to get our house together, right? The show, because we're trying to sell it in New Orleans. Oh and God. I worked my tail off. And like, <laughs> like, yeah, I got good at it. I enjoyed it. I actually Man. enjoyed it. So. Uh, hopefully, uh, my wife <laughs> doesn't watch this because she'll have me vacuuming every day. Man, I've never heard someone so passionate about vacuuming. I'm sweating. <laughs> that is freaking hilarious. Jay Kidd, Northern California guy, or, or Zeke Isaiah? Oof, I mean, Zeke did win championships. Okay. Yeah. Um, I did play against Isaiah and he was good and he was at the end of his career. And I did play against Jason and I beat him. So I don't know. NCAA tournament. Yeah. <laughs> Jason's a, Jason's a great guy. Uh, I'm wishing him nothing but success in Dallas. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, Isaiah, Isaiah, I think it's all time. The second best point guard, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm an Isaiah Thomas fan, but you got to respect the game. You got to respect it. After and magic. I, and, yeah. After magic, but, but yeah. Jason kid, like what he was able to do uh, in, in, in New Jersey. Think about that. Right. Not, not Brooklyn. Not right. Brooklyn, New Jersey right. had them on the cusp of championships. And all of a sudden, the great thing about Jason was all those teams now were passing the ball at a higher level. Like his impact. Byron uh, Scott. Terms, no, yeah. Oh, yeah. His impact on that franchise. Like I get it. Brooklyn, okay, you got something to sell in Brooklyn. Nothing against New Jersey. I, I love my time in New Jersey. Sure. But I played in New Jersey. Okay. So right. I know that's a tough sell. Uh, and he was able to get them on the cusp of winning championships. That was pretty impressive. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Well, and he's overcome some, some narratives that he's, you know, admitted that he made some mistakes. So credit to him. And I think uh, it's important that people of color get these opportunities as well in the NBA and, and other sports leagues, because it's, it's a long time coming. Okay. Uh, masters or U S open. Uh, masters. Yeah. The masters. Yeah. Larry or Kobe. Larry, I like, I like for what? Like, Larry, like, Larry, like, come on, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a white dude. It wasn't the fastest, but so to Kobe's impact on our generation, like all of my players love Kobe. They'd right. get so mad at me when I'd say, yeah, he's, he's, he's a really great version of Michael Jordan. 
you know, but I, I think that the impact of Kobe now was just, you know, when you talk about Mamba mentality, you talk about how he invested in being a girl dad, that, 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 that was kind of his phrase, you know yeah. what I mean? It all kind of, you yeah. know, and then what he was able to do in, in Hollywood in terms of what he did with production was pretty impressive. So that's a tough one. But if we're talking about basketball, I'm going to go Larry Legend. <laughs> okay. Yes. Larry Legend. I, I thought I was going to get a chance to play for him. That was going to be one of the honors of my life because I uh, hated the Boston Celtics, but loved watching Larry Bird. Whew, boy. Yeah. Yeah, that one uh, missed out championship that the Pistons lost because of that uh, inbounds play. That'll that'll kill me forever. God bless America. So Zion or Ja Morant? Oh, Zion. Uh, yeah. I think we just, when we finally see, and, and nothing against last year's team, we didn't have great shooting last year. I'm hoping that Zion will have an experience with, like real good floor spacing. We didn't have yeah. a great floor spacing team and defenders. If, if they can get that around Zion, like him and Brandon Ingram with yeah. great spacing and some defensive mindsets and bled was good. I, you know, I, I love bled, love Zoe, Steven Adams, great guy, but I don't know if that was the best roster for him. I think losing Zoe might hurt, you know, uh, but that having two point guards that we had two point guards, on the floor together, you know, Zoe, Zoe was a little bit better shooter than Bled. It just, it was a, it was kind of a different roster and, and you're not going to get the best out of Zion and B.I. We and, and our guys were great about it. We'd always say like, what is Zion and B.I.? I always see, we see guys hugging the paint <laughs> on all their catches. So hopefully they'll get some, some, you know, four spacers. Yeah, the spacing is obviously is important yeah. and you know obviously you got to be have good inside outs still even though we're we're you know more positionless and that's what i mean by floor spacing and and defense because i think that they'll need length you know i, yeah, I do think sure. that we're, we were still a small smaller team brandon was six nine so was a little bit taller for a point guard bled was a little undersized and then steven uh as tough as he is i don't think it was a great matchup to have him with Zion together. So I think Valanciunas could be great for them. I really do. Were you surprised that Giannis not only came back from that, what, man, I, if I watch that again, it just almost makes me want to throw up. I mean, and to play bully ball sort of the way he did is amazing to me. And I've gone on clubhouse a few times in some of these rooms and talked about it, but I, I honestly think as much as I've never been a Westbrook fan, I actually think with the Lakers, he could be a guard version of Giannis. He could. I mean, he's a, he is a one-man fast break. I mean, Russell Westbrook and his mentality, how he's always on the attack. Uh, he's a walking triple-double. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what the Lakers yeah, do. For they sure. really will. They, they need what we just – they need some shooting out there. Yeah, of course. They really do. So, you know, Westbrook's a non-shooter. LeBron can make some shots, but, but you know, he's more of a setup guy. Uh, and then, you know, AD. So, I, I got to really look at their Ross a little bit closer, but but – It'll be interesting to see how those three work together. I wish JJ Redick would have found a way to get there, man. That would have been interesting. I, I think JJ, and even when I was there, JJ really wanted to be up in the Northeast. He, he really yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. He wanted to be up there and with his family and not have yeah. to move. Yeah. So hopefully he gets that. I really enjoyed watching his attention to detail. It really hurt us when we lost him. You know, when we traded him and nothing against the guys we brought in. Yeah. But he was a guy that understood Stan too. Oh, you know, yeah. understood what Stan was about. 
um, would joke about it, brought levity to it. <laughs> I thought was important, you know, yeah. you got to be able to laugh at yourself. Good but locker room guy. In a locker room, having a guy like that yeah. that's been through the wars that all of our guys really respect. I mean, you don't get as many guys as JJ's got on this podcast unless you're really right. like respected. So his podcast is fun to listen to. I don't listen to all of them, of course, but the yeah. few I have yeah. listened been really interesting to listen to. Yeah, him and Rex Chapman have had some good guests. It's been interesting to listen to those guys. I, I didn't know Rex had a, had a had a podcast. I, I need to listen to his too. Oh, his are great. Yeah, yeah. yeah him and, and JJ definitely do a good job. I've been trying to get JJ on before he started his, just because of some of the things that we talk about on here. And JJ's but like he's he's phenomenal. like making money off his things now. Yeah, I know. He's commercialized it. Yep. He was talking about it before. He's big time now. So. He's big time. Good, good luck. luck. <laughs> <laughs> we get first him or Pat Riley. Yeah, no kidding. I'll be impressed. Yes, I'll, I'll do my best. Well, <laughs> you got to you got to try, right? You got to no, no go. You got to go for it. Okay, last question. If you have five people at the dinner table, past or present, could be sports or non-sports, anybody, who would you have at your dinner table? Uh, Deanna Walters. Wow. Adam Walters. Rex Walters Jr. There you go. Riley Walters. <laughs> Wait, someone's going to Gunner Walters. <laughs> and I'll, I'm going to sneak a chair in for Ace Walters. I love, and I know my wife loves having dinner with oh, the family. And now we've got cool. two out of the house. We've got a 19-year-old. We've got a kid that's going to be going to college soon. So uh, awesome. anytime I can have my family home for dinner and we can all eat, that's and cool. then she'll put on music. She'll put on her John Mayer. Oh boy. Well, she cooks the food and, and, and we got the dogs begging for food that those are always fun meals for me. So I'm a family guy. That's awesome. So where do you see yourself in five years? You want to be obviously coaching, but uh, you know, what, 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 what do you do in this situation as you, do you have someone that, you know, your agent, do they advocate for you or do you put feelers out or you just let it happen organically? Like how, what, how does it work for someone like you or Lav or Matt, you know, looking to get back into it? I do have an agent. I have, and I also have an agent on the uh, media side uh, because I'm trying to get involved with some of those things as well. Cool. Cause I, I enjoy talking basketball. Clearly. The really good stuff that we have, if we had any good stuff in this interview was hopefully the basketball stuff. Yeah. But, but um, I enjoy, I enjoy both. Uh, obviously I would like another shot sure. uh, at coaching. Uh, I, I'm going to hopefully go after some college jobs, see if I can get involved with those. I had some, some feelers this year that I was, kind of excited about but you know it didn't work out and I wasn't 100% sold on them uh so we'll see what happens next year in the spring you know it's it's a weird I was talking to somebody I was like it's a weird thing because I don't want to see any coach lose their job yeah of you know course. I, mean? like, I don't want to see that but at the same time I'd like you know there's some there's some jobs out there that I'd really be interested in and but until then I'm going to work on the media side and if something like that does pop and it's good for our family where I don't have to move as yeah. many times that that would be something I'd be really interested in doing as well. So you like, would you go up to uh, Tom's practice or Jawan's and just watch and sit in and just learn from those guys? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a very honest guy. I've reached out to all the schools in Michigan and the only one that responded back is Michigan state. So hopefully I'll hear back from these guys because I would like to go watch practice and coach Izzo has always been really good to me. Uh, when I was, uh, Doug's a good friend of mine in Michigan State, so yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. they they reached. I mean, I I know Doug Roger. They gave me Doug's number, and I reached out. Oh to yeah, him. cool. Yeah, reached out to Doug, and he's like, "Yeah, hit me back after Labor Day. We haven't started school yet, so I'll go up there." That's I do know cool. Juwan, and it was an email that I sent to one of his assistants. Cool. Uh, I'll try to go up to Oakland and watch some practices there. Maybe even yeah. go watch the Christians. 
know, Dwayne's always been really nice to me as I may go up there. He's and nothing's – here's the thing about me is, like, nothing – it doesn't have to be the NBA. It doesn't have to be Big Ten. I just watch – I like to watch coaches work sure. and see if I can take, take some things away, you know, from watching practice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm sure it'll happen for you. You know, just uh, keep being the best ber- version of yourself every day, which it seems like you've been on a phenomenal path, you know, your whole life with great support system. And uh, you can grab from so many different experiences as a player and a coach. And um, I know you've been through millions of interviews and been on podcasts before, but we genuinely appreciate. We don't know why people come into this space because we're probably the least known but we've, like I said, we've had uh, close to 90 pros and from all walks of life. And it's always a fascinating time to sh- share space with our guests and uh, truly honored that you came and, and did that with us today. I pre- really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. This Your show's different. Your show's more than just basketball or sports. So I, I enjoyed it. And thank you for having me. We got to get stuff out there. I look forward to following your podcast. Awesome. Sounds good. And then um, anything I can do, honestly, like... Uh, you know, we, we know different people, but you just never know, you know, if I think you might be a good fit and I know someone, I'm happy to, to reach out. And, uh, that. you know, that's, that's something that I love to do is just connect the dots. Well, I appreciate that. Maybe I'll take you up on that. It means a lot. All right. Sounds good. Much love and respect. Right. Uh, glad you got out of there safely and um, we'll stay in touch if that's okay. That'd be great. That'd be great. I appreciate all right, sounds it. Sounds good. Thank your wife all for right, me. Buddy. Sorry to take so much of your time. No, not at all. It's no problem. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, brother. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Oh, that was great. Another former collegiate player, NBA player, NBA coach, um, who's on a path of self-exploration, a family guy, uh, loves dinners with his family uh, when they can all get together and um, definitely will be a phenomenal head coach again one day once uh, he gets that opportunity down the road. Uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. This episode of the Sports Deli Podcast, where everyone deserves a seat at the table, was brought to you by Hootie Hoot Productions. For Dr. J and Coach K, please mask up. Black Lives Matter. Stop the Asian hate. And remember, it takes a village. Until next time, much love. Peace.